Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Since I began my time as vicar here at Faith Lutheran, I've had the opportunity to serve you in many in various ways. Two ways of which I'd like to call out, one of which is done here on Sunday mornings, assisting pastor in baptisms. The other of which is also a special service put on by Faith Lutheran, specifically services for funerals. Pastor has convinced me that there is a red thread that ties the two together, something common between the two that make them unique, special. You see, on the one hand, one has to do with being born. No doubt a mother who is bearing the child looks forward to that day when she can hold her child with her own arms, when she can see that child with her own eyes and watch as the child laughs and smiles. On the other hand, we have a service that deals with someone's life coming to an end. Oftentimes, in the last of those hours, Pastor and I will be invited in to visit the family and the members at the hospital, where we speak words of comfort and encouragement found in Scripture. Pastor may administer the Lord's Supper, and we may close with sharing God's word, praying, and leaving them with a blessing. What's so unique about the two that keep them in sync? What's common about the two? Well, each of them have to do with waiting. You see, of all things, both of them are, are, are come at a time that is determined by God. Though a mother looks forward to that day when she can hold her own child, she cannot determine exactly when that baby is to be born. So also, when it comes to breathing our last, we may have an idea of when it'll be, but we don't know the exact time, day or week. In this season of Advent, we are reminded that we also are waiting. We're waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ to come again. This, too, is on God's time. In our Old Testament reading for today, we learn how Adam and Eve were given that same promise, the promise of the coming Savior, and how they, too, were left to wait. You see, our Old Testament reading comes right after the fall into sin. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit that they were told not to eat, and God goes on to proclaim the curses upon first the serpent, then the woman, and then the man. Amid all of these curses, he leaves with them a promise. God, speaking to the serpent, says, I will put enmity between you and the woman 
and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We call this the proto-evangelium. It's a fancy word that means or comes from proto meaning first and evangelium meaning proclamation of the gospel. It's the same root that we get the word to evangelize from. You see, this verse here is the first proclamation of the gospel found in Scripture. Adam and Eve were assured that a seed from Eve would come to crush the serpent's head and to undo all the consequences of sin that Adam and Eve were wrestling with. You see, God proclaimed to them this, this promise, this good news. And then they were left to wait. And you can be assured that waiting for Adam and Eve did not come easy. Instead, Adam and Eve were plagued with all sorts of impatience. Impatience certainly comes in various forms and sizes. And I'd like to direct our attention to those ways in which they acted impatiently as they waited for that promise to be fulfilled. We turn our attention to their acts of impatience and we glean from it how it affects us today. The first way in which we see them acting impatiently is through denial. You see, beginning with verse 7 in chapter 3, we read, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. After falling into sin, Adam and Eve did not want to confess that they had sinned. So they hid themselves. They hid themselves in the trees, and instead of looking to God for a solution, they sought a solution for themselves by sewing together a garment of fig leaves to cover and hide away their shame. I think we, as Midwesterners, frequently struggle with denial. I think we frequently deny our sinful condition. And I know this because growing up as a Midwesterner, I know that there is such a thing as passive aggressivism. You see, we may have and hold something against someone else, but we never confront them directly. Instead of acknowledging that there is some issue between us and another, we deny it. We try to hide it away as if nothing actually has happened. But instead, it seeps through in our words and our actions. In so doing, we deny the sin that is in our heart. In this way, we act impatiently like Adam and Eve as they waited for the promised seed to come. The second way in which we see Adam and Eve acting impatiently is that they forget 
that God is the one in charge. They forget that God is in charge. We see this in chapter 4 when Eve conceives and gives birth to Cain. You see, when she gives birth to Cain, she says in verse 1, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Luther actually translates this best when he translates it as, I have gotten the man of the Lord. You see, Eve, when she gave birth to Cain, thought that she had given birth to her Lord and Savior. She thought that her Lord and Savior had come to deliver her and Adam from the evil that they had brought into the world from the fall and all the consequences of it. She had hoped that all of the consequences would be done away with here and now. She acted impatiently. Her idea of a Savior was certainly not the same as God's. Little did she know that it would still be thousands of years until the seed, that is, Christ would come. Little did she know that that seed would come in a very humble manner, being born in a manger. And little did she know that that seed would crush the serpent's head by dying on a cross. You see, God's ways are not our ways. We, too, forget that God is in charge. Perhaps you yourself have a prayer that you have long asked God for, a very serious prayer that you have yet to see a response to. For you, this can be very challenging. Perhaps it's in the realm of healing, or perhaps you yourself struggle with loneliness. Or perhaps you are struggling with sins and you're asking God for help. In these requests for prayer, you may be like the pregnant woman and be asking, when, when, Lord, will you answer my prayer? Or like the one who is on his deathbed, you may ask the question of why, how much longer until God comes and answers our prayer. You see, we ourselves forget in these instances that we are not the ones in charge. Our ways are not God's ways. And in so doing, we act impatiently, forgetting that, forgetting that God himself is going to come. This is all part of the wicked serpent, serpent's hope that our impatience leads over to anger, which eventually leads over to disbelief. You see, we see this in, in the actions of Cain. We read God speaking to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You see, in the act of waiting, Cain had let his hope die out. 
he himself became impatient to the point where anger consumed him. He lost faith, went on to kill his own brother. In the season of Advent, we're reminded to not let our impatience, as we wait for that promised seed, to give way to anger and eventually disbelief. Well, it's true. You and I will always struggle with impatience due to our sinful flesh. We may struggle, but God does not. You see, God is patient. We know this by the way he patiently takes in and puts up with all of our impatient acts of denial, denying that we have sin. He patiently puts up with our desire to be in charge, thinking that we know what's right, telling him that we want an answer now. He patiently puts up even with our disbelief. He does this by taking all of those impatient attacks that we inflict on him, bearing it in his son, that promised seed, Jesus Christ, and bringing it to the cross. Now he even acts patiently as we wait for him to come again. This is what St. Peter speaks of in his letter when he writes, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Read that one more time. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is patient. You see, his plans are not our plans. We may not know the when or the how long or the why, but what we do know is that he loves us. He wants what's best for us, and he wants each of us to be united with him in paradise. God is patient. And in his patience, he equips each of you in, to wait. See, in your wait, you are not left alone. When you find yourself in denial, that is, trying to deny that you have committed sin, just as Adam and Eve tried to hide their own sin when they made coverings for themselves and hid themselves in the garden. Remember also that God sacrificed an animal and gave it as a covering for Adam and Eve. For just in a similar way, he covers you and your own sinful flesh and the shame that we have in our sinful condition by sacrificing his own son, who wraps us in his own righteous living that we receive in baptism. We remember this each time at a baptism when pastor hands over that baptismal blanket to the newly baptized. Really, that baby is now wrapped themselves around with Christ's own righteousness. 
In so doing, in your baptism, you are preparing yourself for Christ's return. So also, when you find yourself forgetting that God is in charge, just as Adam and Eve forgot that God was in charge and they wanted their Savior to come here and now, if you find yourself asking the question, when or how long, remember that in your impatience, God is patient. Just as he sent his promised seed into the world, who is Jesus Christ, and crushed that serpent's head, so also you can be assured that he will come again. And if you find yourself in anger, or even in disbelief as we see Cain was in, when he shed the blood of innocent Abel, if you begin to ask yourself in repentance, how can God forgive me of even this? You remember that Jesus, that actual seed, not the seed of Cain, which Eve had mistaken the seed to be. Remember that Jesus spilt his own blood, and that blood is what pardons you from your sin. In fact, in the sermon hymn that we sang today in stanza four, we sing, Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our parting cries. It's a beautiful contrast between the blood that was spilt by Abel, which brought a curse upon Cain, with the blood that is spilt by Jesus, which pardons each of our sins. Each time when you come up and receive the Lord's Supper, you remember that that blood was shed for your own forgiveness. You receive the Lord's Supper as you patiently wait for your Lord Jesus Christ to return again. This Advent season is certainly a season of waiting. We are called to remember that Christ will come again. We're asked to cast off our own impatient practices and patiently wait for his return, just as God patiently waits for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.